Joining us today on the Galagos Radio and the Galagos Interview Series is one of our regular and most prominent guests, the New York Times bestselling author and investigative journalist with such outlets as the BBC and The Guardian, Greg Pallast. Greg is the author of such books as Vulture's Picnic, Armed Madhouse, Billionaires and Ballad Bandits, and The Best Democracy Money Can Buy. Greg, welcome back to our program. We are glad to have you back on, especially after some health challenges that you had been facing recently. Yep, doing well uh, now that I have, yes, I have new plumbing uh, to my heart, and I'm going to outlive my enemies and uh, starting a series of new investigations. And to get us started, Greg, Greece at the present time has unemployment that has surpassed 27%, youth unemployment at around 60%, hundreds of thousands of Greeks have migrated abroad, the social state is in shambles, and the government is in the process of selling off key state industries and public lands and utilities. What is your take on the current economic situation in Greece and what has been happening in the country? Well, it's fascinating because if you read the Western press, the European press, Greece is now a success story. By success meaning you're paying off your creditors, your stock market has recovered, and the bond market has recovered somewhat. So as far as uh, the most of the press is concerned, everything is fine in Greece. The fact that people are unemployed, that the fact that people are still losing their, uh, their homes and livelihoods doesn't mean much to the press because all that matters is the stock market and your creditors. So I've been investigating the causes of Greece's collapse. It's a crime scene. It's not uh, something that was a matter of uh, Greeks living beyond their means or being lazy, olive pit-spewing slackers, as the Germans would have it. In fact, I actually looked it up. The average uh, Greek worker works 400 hours more a year than the average German worker. It's a hardworking nation. In fact, I think Greeks are harder on themselves than even the Germans are. It's a hardworking nation, successful nation. And what happened was is that your economy was stolen from you. Now, continuing along this narrative that you mentioned of Greece being a so-called success story, after so many years of IMF and Troika involvement in Greece, there's many who still maintain that Greece has no other choice but to continue along this path. Now, you've done a lot of investigating into what entities such as the IMF and the World Bank have done elsewhere in Latin America and in Asia. What has been the impact of IMF involvement and austerity policies in these other regions? Well, as my fellow economists Paul Krugman and Joe Stiglitz have noted, is that the austerity programs are like medieval bloodletting. You know, if if you're sick, they would drain the blood from you. And if you didn't get better, they would uh, say, oh, the problem is that we didn't drain enough blood and they would bleed you some more. Well, that's how austerity works. Look, it's no one has yet beaten Keynes' formula, which is not that dissimilar from John Locke or Karl Marx, which is that when there's no demand for products, your economy is going to fall apart. And the way you get demand, uh, rebuild demand, is the opposite of austerity. This is when you need to borrow. This is when you need to go into deficit. This is when you need to devalue your currency so you can once again export. But you are chained like a prison sentence to uh, the Deutschmark, which is called the euro right now, but it's the Deutschmark. And you are forced to accept Germany's currency, which makes Greece, which is an export economy, a tourist economy, overpriced. Uh, So the way that your economy is balanced is by uh, reducing wages rather than reducing the value of your currency. And that's disastrous in many ways because it's a death spiral. The fact that money is being sliced out of your gut to pay off bondholders, to me, that is not a sign of health. 
That is not a sign of recovery. That's a sign of jackals and vultures chewing at the national economic corpse. We are on the air with best-selling author and investigative journalist Greg Pallast here on the Alagos Radio and the the Alagos Interview Series. Greg, the main opposition party, Syriza, is currently leading in the polls in Greece, despite the fact that it did not make any gains in this year's European parliamentary elections compared to its 2012 Greek parliamentary election result. Syriza recently revealed its economic program, which does not mention anything about a departure from the Eurozone or a unilateral stoppage of payments, or even a write-down of Greece's debt. Instead, it calls for a renegotiation of the debt load within the confines of the Eurozone. What is your reaction to such a proposal? Well, we know which economies have succeeded that ran into these crises when there was an attack by international financiers. You had uh, Argentina, you've had Brazil, you've had Ecuador, and the way that they've recovered is if you, you have to tell these creditor nations and the IMF, you're not going to pay. What is the reason that they would renegotiate? What fantasy world do you live in if you're going to say, well, we'll stay in the Eurozone, we'll keep paying, but we're begging you to uh, give us a break. I remember speaking with the president of Ecuador, Palacio, many years ago when he went into office and Ecuador was on its back financially. The IMF was dictating the terms of its economy, was suffering from austerity. And he said he was going to go to try to speak to then President George Bush and the IMF in Washington and explain to them that if you kill us, if our nation dies economically, we can't pay you. Dead people can't pay off a debt. But unfortunately, the idea of using reason and getting sympathy didn't work at all. So his successor, Rafael Correa, who I also spoke with, said something simple. We're not paying. We're not going to pay you serious interest. We're not going to pay vulture funds. We're not going to pay ransom for our own economy. And the result was that Ecuador has grown enormously by saying no. And uh, same with Brazil, which, uh, which threatened uh, default. And same with Argentina, which did the same thing that Greece should do, which is to get rid of the euro. Argentina was tied to the dollar. Right now, they're going through another fight with uh, international financial vultures, and they're holding strong. And their economy has uh, not only recovered, but they roared ahead like a rocket with uh, high employment and uh, huge increases in uh, national wealth and huge increases in salary over the past decade and a half while they were resisting the IMF diktats. So that's the path for Greece. I mean, follow Brazil, follow Argentina, follow Ecuador. They did it. They said, no, you can't, you can't beg your way out of this problem. Now, sticking with what you've just said about Argentina in particular, you've done extensive investigative reporting on the activities of hedge funds, or as you call them, vulture funds, and how they have targeted countries such as Greece or such as those in Latin America or Africa. One individual in particular, Paul Singer, has been at the heart of your investigations and is tied both to Greece and to Argentina. Who is Paul Singer, and what does he have to do with the cases of Greece and Argentina? Well, if you read my book, Vulture's Picnic, which should be coming out in Greek quite soon, these vulture funds, and I didn't give them the name vulture funds, that's what they call themselves for many years, which is they buy up debts of nations uh, when there's a crisis like Greece, or you can buy up the, the debts at uh, pennies on the dollar at a fraction of their face value. And then after a deal has been worked out with everyone else, they are the final holdouts and they demand, whereas, for example, in the case of Greece, you had creditors who accepted a um, large cut 
in the principle of the of the bonds. The, the bonds were revalued downward. Interest rates were cut. Uh, Singer and one of his associates were the holdouts, uh, reportedly the holdouts in Greece. And they not only didn't take a loss on their bonds, they were paid multiples and earned, you know, something in the area of two, three hundred percent profit on their bonds. The Greek government made exceptions and paid them additional money. What they do is that they hold your nation ransom. They're doing the same thing in Argentina, but Argentina has said, the president of Argentina, Cristina Fernandez Kirchner, said, I don't pay ransom. I will not pay vultures. And they are uh, simply refusing to pay these creditors. And uh, that's uh, they're not, simply not going to pay ransom. Other nations have uh, fought these vultures. And in fact, their activities, the, the people that have been attacking Greece, like Paul Singer, the vulture, his activities have been outlawed in, for example, the British Commonwealth, England, Canada, and throughout the uh, British Commonwealth. These are rogue financiers. Their activities are banned and are criminal or quasi-criminal in some parts of the world. And yet these are the people who are dictating to your economics ministers. And sticking on the topic of Paul Singer and his activities, there's been certain very notable cases, such as the examples of Peru, if I'm not mistaken, and also the Congo, where Paul Singer basically shook these countries down for large amounts of money. Right. Uh, I did a story for BBC television. If you go to my um, website, gregpalace.com, you can see my reports from the Congo. Paul Singer effectively grabbed the money that was set aside to fight a cholera epidemic in the Republic of Congo. Uh, these are not nice guys. Other creditors, uh, the, the treasuries of the United States and Europe are used to help bail out countries in trouble, whether it's Greece or the Congo or Peru, and after the uh, taxpayers of the U.S. and Europe put up funds to uh, help nations recover, Paul the Vulture Singer and his Vulture Fund friends, and remember, they called themselves vultures until recently. They were proud of it. They swooped down, and they say, well, now that you've been given money by Europeans and, and Americans, now we're going to take your resources. And they have seized oil shipments on the high seas. They've seized metal resources. They're basically... Um, quasi-illegal pirates. And in fact, they actually seized a pirate ship. No kidding, uh, one old masted pirate ship they seized from the Argentine Navy, but the Argentina got it back. Now, for listeners who might not be completely familiar with the whole story, the controversy that has been surrounding Argentina with the decision which came from American courts, which led to what was presented as an Argentine default, how has the Argentine government responded to this court decision and to the continued demands and pressure exerted by Paul Singer? Well, what's happened is, is that Singer, I mean, the, the Argentine government, because it told the IMF to go to hell and it told its creditors to go to hell back in the year 2000, 2001, under the current president's husband. That allowed Argentina time to recover. And in return, the, while Argentina 15 years ago defaulted on its bonds deliberately, it did say we will pay back this money eventually, but only when we recover. And in effect, banks were given stock in the economy of Argentina. As the economy grew, they were paid off. So Argentina actually ended up paying the banks $165 billion, $165 billion. And so they were paying, but then Singer said, I don't want what everyone else has because that would give him only a 300% profit. Instead, he's demanded a 3,000% profit on the old bonds he holds. And he found some crazy 84-year-old judge in the United States to not only 
order Argentina to pay him, but ordered Argentina to stop paying its creditors, stop paying its other creditors, the, the banks like United Bank of Switzerland, Citibank, Bank of New York. Uh, George Soros was one of the investors who was being paid by Argentina and accepted its terms. So that literally a judge ordered Argentina to stop paying its creditors. And therefore, technically, the nation has gone into default. Yet still, uh, Argentina said, that's too bad. We'd rather be in default than pay ransom to vultures. We'd rather be in default than let our people starve or allow these uh, pirates to seize our economy. And once again, part of the way that they recovered was by getting rid of the U.S. dollar as their currency. And as you know, at the moment, Greece is tied to the German currency, and that's just insane. You know, and people are in Greece are so used to having the euro, they're told that the sky will fall if you step out of the euro. Well, the sky has already fallen on Greece. You can't do worse. And if you had your own currency, if you freed yourself from the bondage of German currency, you would be able to restore, begin to restore your economy. And if you paid, then you declare that you will pay your um, creditors in your own currency. You know, the, if the, the return of the drachma was good enough for Plato, I'm sure it's, it's good enough for you today. We are speaking with investigative journalist and New York Times bestselling author Greg Pallast here on the Alagos Radio and the Alagos Interview Series. And Greg, we've seen in recent weeks the re-election of President Rousseff in Brazil and President Morales in Bolivia. We've seen the continued strong popularity of the governments in countries such as Venezuela and Argentina as well, and indeed the economic growth in many of these countries. What are some of the economic policies that these countries have followed which have allowed them to break free? from the shackles that were placed on them by the IMF? Well, for example, in uh, Brazil, the President Lula, who is uh, from the Workers' Party, which is a socialist party, threatened a default. He refused the actions of the IMF. He uh, refused to privatize the state banks. He refused to privatize the state oil company. He refused to privatize, continue privatizing the state electric and water companies. And as a result, the nation was able to keep its own resources. And when the value of oil went up, the uh, Brazilian oil company, the state oil company, uh, was able to cash in. The other thing that he did was while he was told to stop running deficits and to you know impose austerity, he did the opposite. He created uh, something called the Bolsa Social. What it is is basically a payment to all people so that you, everyone has a minimum income in uh, Brazil now. So everyone receives a minimum income. So, it's, so it ended starvation. It ended desperation. And uh, that money going into the hands of the poorest people because it gets spent built up the economy enormously. Brazil was growing at 7, 8, 9%. Now there's been a slowdown, a big problem as the world economy has been in trouble. China, one of Brazil's biggest trading partners, the U.S. as a trading partner, have slowed way down. So that's hurt Brazil. But still, on net, the economy has done incredibly well compared to the rest of the world, and certainly compared to Greece. As a result, uh, this past Sunday, Vilma Rousseff, Lula's successor as president from his party, was reelected. And I believe that one of the reasons why the Brazilian economy slowed down is that she tried to begin a return to some IMF policies of austerity and cutting state pensions. So she decided to compromise a bit with the IMF, and it was disastrous. 
for Brazil. The IMF is a basically a society of poisoners. They require nations to sign effectively economic suicide pacts. Every nation which has followed the IMF World Bank diktats has found itself drowning with its economies in collapse. Those who have ignored the IMF and World Bank and gone in the opposite direction are thriving. And it's, you know, at what point do you say bleeding the patient is not good medicine? It isn't. We see that. We can actually measure it now. It's not even a question. Greg, what do you believe the Greek people should do to help bring about this change that you're talking about? And do you believe that there are any political forces in Greece which can accomplish this? Well, you know, I can't tell you who your best politicians are. I can tell you what they must do. First of all, you have to get rid of this fear of what would happen if you left the euro. The euro has been poisonous for Greece. My God, how much more punishment are you ready to accept to be in Germany's currency? It's completely crazy. I'm an economist by training, in fact, and I knew Robert Mundell, the man who invented the euro. And he was a very, very right-wing Thatcherite. He was an uh, advisor to Ronald Reagan. He was the man who created the so-called supply-side economics fantasy that if you cut taxes on the rich, your economy will grow. It all turned out to be nonsense. The euro is part of his nonsensical supply-side Thatcherite, Reaganite economics. The euro is just one aspect of it. It's a straitjacket, which was meant to force nations who are locked to the euro because you give up your fiscal policy, you give up your ability to change interest rates, you give up your ability to change the money supply, you give up your ability to change your exchange rates with other nations. For Greece to give up the power over its economic destiny is insane. And those who leave the euro, it doesn't mean you won't be able to trade with Europe, that you won't have tourists in Europe. Now, in a way, you've gotten lucky as Turkey has decided to blow itself up with its uh, idiotic uh, religious president. But, uh, you know, Turkey was not in the euro and Turkey was growing and stealing all of your tourism business. I think that at a certain point, you have to give up the fantasy that the euro is some kind of advantage. That's got to go. As long as you're tied to the euro, you don't stand a chance of full recovery. We are on the air with investigative journalist and best-selling author Greg Pallast here on the Alagos Radio and the Alagos Interview Series. And Greg, earlier this week, you revealed a major breaking story about the purge of up to three and a half million voters in the United States from the voter rolls. Now, Greg, there are many in Greece who believe that corruption, economic mismanagement, political fraud, and electoral manipulation only happen in Greece and not in a supposedly advanced and civilized Western world. What does your investigation say about the state of democratic governance in the United States and indeed in the West? Unfortunately, in America, there is a commitment of the, uh, especially the, the Republican Party. And I'm not partisan. I don't care which, uh, I'm not a Republican or a Democrat. But right now, I'm breaking a story in the United States that three and a half million voters are threatened with the loss of their vote in Republican-controlled states, especially in the South, and especially at risk are African Americans, Asian Americans, and Hispanic citizens in the U.S. We are still, 60 years after Martin Luther King led the civil rights movement and the voting rights movement in America, in America we are still struggling with allowing black people to vote. 
and always impediments are put in the way. And my news story is that three million people have been accused of voting in two different states in America. No one's actually shown anyone voting in two different states, but three million people have been accused of the crime of voting twice any evidence, and they are subject to losing their vote. But it is not just anyone. It is, it's the ethnic minorities in America, and they tend to vote Democratic. So it's a way for the Republican Party to steal elections that are next week for the United States Senate and two years for the United States presidency. We have very low turnout in America for votes because so many people are blocked from voting. On Tuesday, October 28th, Greece celebrated Ohi Day, the commemoration of the date on which, in 1940, Greece said no to the demand of the Axis powers to pass their troops through Greece unimpeded and to occupy strategic posts within the country. In recent years, though, the word no seems to have been replaced in Greece by the word yes, at least in terms of the country's politicians, while the Greek population seems to be gripped by the complacency and fear that you've been talking about. What is your message to Greece and to the Greek people in the light of this anniversary. The anniversary also meant the time when Greece had to go through the struggle of resistance. And the struggle of resistance, when if you say no to the euro, no to the Troika's crazy austerity program, which is quite destructive. So you'll have to give up your addiction to the voluntary destruction to the difficulty of resistance. And believe me, in the case of Brazil, in the case of Argentina, it was two years of hardship after uh, telling the IMF and the banks, no, you know, there, there is some hardship. But then once again, your economy will be restored with your own currency and you will still own your own properties. One thing that Argentina, by the way, had to do, it, it's uh, the water company of Buenos Aires was sold to Enron. The oil company was sold to the Spanish, and uh, Argentina had to renationalize, seize these properties back for the public. So it's going to be a difficult road, but you know, I don't think many Greeks regret saying no to the Germans, no matter how difficult it was for a couple of years. Greg, we would like to take this opportunity to not only remind our listeners that the Alois Radio's fall fundraiser is in progress, but that listeners have the option of receiving your recent investigative DVD, Vultures and Vote Rustlers, in exchange for their support of our program. What can our listeners expect to see in this DVD, and why do you believe that listeners should support the Alois Radio? Well, if you don't support your radio station, you're stuck with the news and nonsense that they give you. You're stuck with the fairy tales of the financial occupiers of Greece. This is your station. You may have very little in your pocket, but if you don't have your own voice, which has not been uh, taken hostage by outside financial interests, this is your chance. And plus, in the DVD, what you do get is a lot of uh, you get real old-fashioned investigative reporting from uh, where I investigate the vultures, and you go from the Congo. You get the real story of Liberia, by the way, which is in the news because of Ebola. So you get the real story of the Congo. You get Liberia. And you get how the vultures, who have eaten Greece alive, actually took more money from the U.S. Treasury in an attack upon the auto industry in America and an attack upon the city of Detroit. The vulture financiers are not just attacking nations like Greece. They're attacking the United States itself. And that's a story that you will get in the uh, DVD. 
Well, Greg, thank you very much for taking the time to speak with us today here on the Alagos Radio and the Alagos Interview Series. And thank you very much as well for your support of our program. It is very much appreciated. You're very welcome. Good luck.